Welcome to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to a conversation with Dr. Frank. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots, and today is December 7th in the year 2022. And all sorts of things have continued to unravel as we get more details on Jim Baker with Twitter and we find out more about the pedophiles in our schools and the latest Project Veritas drop shows that how they're actually passing around sex toys to kids. All of these wonderful things that make America such a beautiful place to live these days. If your kids are still in school, get them out. All you're doing is ha- allowing them to be brain raped, and that's about the extent of it. But most important is to understand how we can take it all back. And to do that, we need to get back to securing the vote. And that's what tonight's show is about with one of the preeminent people in voter integrity in our nation. Before we begin, you need to make sure that we take care of our security. And one of those most critical areas of security is your digital security and your email. Take a listen to Start Mail. The protection of our privacy should be every American's right. But the government is watching. Big tech is selling our data and criminals are hacking our accounts. Everywhere you turn, we are losing our privacy. The most important step you can take is securing your email account. Consider the year's worth of emails and the information they hold about where you've been, who you've met, and what you're thinking. That's why I recommend Start Mail, a private email service that keeps your inbox safe and lets you enjoy secure, ad-free communication without surveillance. Every message can be encrypted, and when you delete an email, it's gone forever. Plus, get unlimited disposable email aliases to protect your identity. Ditch the spy mail and get Start Mail. Right now, Bards FM listeners can save 50% on the first year. Go to startmail.com forward slash Bards. That's Start Mail with a T. Startmail.com forward slash Bards right now to save 50%. This is one of the most important things you can do is to secure your email communications. Again, startmail.com forward slash Bards to secure your email privacy and your personal security. You cannot put a price on digital security. Startmail.com. So check it out. All those links are always below the podcast. So we're going to have a great discussion tonight with Dr. Frank. He's literally the preeminent expert on voter integrity. He has traveled all over this nation for the last three years. I met him in person for the first time at the Springfield event last September. And it was really an amazing event there and amazing conversation I had with him. This is even more so. He has been doing an amazing amount of work across our nation. And all of this is about empowering people to take back their nation. The ultimate action then is defiance, not compliance. And one of the things I really want you to pay attention to near the end of the interview is his discussion on how counties can literally defy the state, meaning local measures at a county level can, in fact, be used to 
usurp the power of the conglomerates of power that have developed in many of these states. It's very important, very important discussion. One last thing before we go, in terms of your personal safety and defense, make sure you're keeping your skills up and tuned. You know how passionate I am about our Constitution and especially the Second Amendment, but just as passionate about being responsible and protecting my family. I discovered the perfect way to train with your firearm in the comfort of your own home and continue to improve your skills. It's called iTarget Pro, and this system is a game changer for me. All I did was download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into my firearm, and start training. The system develops muscle memory, reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger control, and much more. Right now, save 10% plus get free shipping with the offer code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, when you go to iTargetPro.com. With the cost of ammo through the roof, this is the perfect solution for you. That's the letter I, targetpro.com, itargetpro.com. The offer code is BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. This is something you definitely need. Oh, yeah. Great Christmas present, too, by the way. All right, Patriots, without further ado, let me introduce to you Dr. Frank. Well, Patriots, I'm going to tell you, today I have truly what I think is one of the great heroes in this fight. And it's a person I've mentioned a few times. He is a name that not enough people know. But when you know who this man is and appreciate who he is, you will understand when I say that he is truly one of the leaders in taking back our nation. And this is Dr. Frank. Now, Dr. Frank has literally been traveling for the last three years, and he'll tell you all about it, to about three states a week, organizing ground teams to do canvassing, which is incredible, and literally setting up the conditions to retake our country through the process of vote. Dr. Frank, I can't tell you how excited I am to have you on the show. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm 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 actually kind of longer at home than I have been for quite some time. You know, people don't like to uh, schedule me right around Christmas and the holidays. So, but I still do have a couple of more December me- uh, meetings, and uh, then January is already full, and February is I think full as of today. So, I'm um, I'm doing very well. I, I don't charge for my um work on the ground i don't charge the grassroots which may be why everybody invites me because i'm cheap but uh <laughs> <laughs> but i uh, i'm glad you laughed uh but i'm we're doing very good work i gotta tell you you know 2022 midterms were disappointing to a lot of people but there are a lot of victories too that you just don't hear about it you know i had the advantage that i'm always with the grassroots so it's like one day to the next i am hanging with patriots and Patriots are inspiring to be with. And, you know, I get to pray with them. I get to work on stuff with them. I get to see their victories. I get to see their losses too. But um, it's pretty exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. I, I'm, I'm, the, the fight is going forward. We're ratcheting it in. I, I always like to tell people, though, that it's not our job to win the battle. It's our job to show up. It's God's battle to guide the stone. And, you know, we just got to wield the, the sling and, and let God win the battle for us. Well, that's well said. So, all right, let's talk, let's start with something that I think everybody's always curious about. Can you give us like our top five best states and our bottom five? Best in which what regard? Best in terms of voting integrity and the worst in terms of voting integrity. Wow. I don't know if I could give you five good ones. Okay. That <laughs> says a lot right there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll tell you, we've had some really good stuff. For example, the state of Nebraska, the grassroots there has organized and taken over the GOP there. 
it's it's fabulous and they use the precinct strategy and basically they've thrown out the establishment and they now own the republican party in in nebraska which is awesome the legislators there are on notice they're all stepping up in fact we're doing new legislation there in that state right now and they're inviting me back to help them work on that so i would say top of the list nebraska <laughs> let me add one more thing and then i'll tell you the bottom I, I, I thought of it after I stopped talking. The home of ESNS, third of the country's election machines are run with ESNS, Omaha, Nebraska. Oh, you are you kidding? We're going to have fun. Uh, we'll run them out on a rail. Um, bottom of the country, well, I, I'd have to either say Michigan or Pennsylvania, maybe Wisconsin. It depends on how you know it's subjective what i consider worse for example in the state of wisconsin we've got the speaker of the house robin voss to admit in front of 10 television cameras to the whole world that there's widespread fraud in the state but he just throws his shoulders up and says but there's nothing we can do about it literally that's what he said okay and you know that's pretty bad so you know that's that's one way to look at it as bad another michigan in michigan you've got so much corruption in the election and and everybody knows it and and uh the establishment and the legal system is so powerful that they're just basically you know lying to your face and telling you they're going to lie to your face and there ain't nothing you can do about it but there's a, a good election integrity movement there working there. patrick colbeck is one of our heroes there um and so that's bad and in pennsylvania pennsylvania would be another one of the worst because they They've got um, in the 2020 election, for example, they had more ballots turned in than they have voters and they counted them. So that tells you that things are pretty bad there. And the secretary of state there has formally admitted that. So it's it's like, I guess maybe those are the three worst in terms of their system, but maybe not the three worst in terms of numbers. For example, you know, California and Florida had more fraudulent votes in 2020 than the other three states. But they're bigger, but maybe as a percentage, it's, you know, a smaller percentage of, of uh, voter fraud, if that makes sense. So how, how about that? I gave you five. No, it's perfect. I think what we're really seeing here is voter fraud has just become the normal in the voter system. And we're, what you're fighting is a mountain, literally, to get it back to where we get back to some common sense in our voting. Would that be fair? Yeah, there's a there's a guy in um the state of Washington. I just love him. His name's Glenn Morgan. He's a, a grassroots activist there. And he says, a mountain of corruption survives in a sea of incompetence. And I think that is about the best description I've heard yet. Um, because what happens is, yes, we've normalized fraud in our elections. The legislatures are codifying it in our elections. And the people actually running the elections are unskilled and uh, unable to operate the elections. And they they think they're good elections because they follow their checklists. You know, when I meet with a clerk, you know, I, I've repeated this pattern hundreds of times now across the country, as you might imagine. I sit down with the clerk and I tell them, you know, they have election fraud in their county and they're like, no, no, Dr. Frank, you know, we can't have any fraud. I followed all the checklists perfectly. And I'm like, no, that's the problem. Uh, they They don't understand that their system is set up to enable fraud and if they're following the system perfectly you're you've basically given away your elections so you know you have to understand what's happening understand how it's happening to you 
and then address it. Let me give you an example, a recent example. In the county of Fresno, California, I, we had two moms. I always call them super moms because they're amazing women across our country that are, you know, fighting for our country. I, I like to uh, joke that in World War II, the men went off to fight the war and the women were the riveters. Uh, but in this war, the women are fighting the war and the men seem to be predominantly the riveters. But anyway, back back to my Fresno gals. They spent one weekend, a couple hours, went out and in a very short amount of time, two or three hours, they came back with about 20 phantom voters. And let me give you an example of what that means. Three of the people that they found were dead and had voted. And 17 of them don't live in the state. They live somewhere else. And yet somehow they voted. They didn't really vote. Somebody is stuffing their ballot for them, just like the dead people didn't really vote. Somebody's stuffing their ballot for them. So we went presented to the sheriff of Fresno and we, and to the county commissioners there. And at the beginning of the meeting, you know, they're sitting up all high and high and mighty. Oh, yeah. Um, our elections are perfect here, Dr. Frank. And so we said, well, what about this dead voter? They died in 2006. So the clerk, you know, he brings up the records. And sure enough, that person died in 2006. And they didn't vote for 10 years. But then suddenly they voted in the last four elections. How does that happen? And, you know, same thing with the other two voters that we gave out of the three we found just in one really quick look. And then we just systematically went through the people that have lived in other states and voted in other states for for a long time, over a decade. And yet somehow they're still voting in their local election. So at, by the end of that meeting, I, I like to say they started out all high and mighty. But at the end of that meeting, they were squirming in their chairs like they had pinworms. It was awesome. I mean, we, we've got them. We've got the fraud dead to rights in every county. We look for it. So what my job is to do is to teach the citizens how to find it and then what to do about it. And that was just one example. I think one of the things that struck me about your method impresses me so much is you stay away from, I kind of call it the ethereal. It's this place where everybody likes to jump on the, the algorithms and the, the computer hacking. And the last time we talked, you made that very clear that like, that's the stuff that literally you can't really use unless you have a science team, but you're teaching how to validate the vote at a ground level that can literally result in sheriff investigations and arrests. Is that fair? That is fair. And it's ironic because I'm the one that Mike Lindell made the movies about, about all the algorithms, right? Because I, I, I'm the one that found, he, they made the, he made the movie called Scientific Proof. So he was so excited when he discovered I could mathematically go into a county and predict everything because I had back figured out what the algorithms were that were operating. But what, what, why is that valuable? If I show you that I can predict everything, that doesn't prove there's any fraud. All that is a circumstantial evidence that there's fraud. And then it's sort of like working a math equation backwards. Once you, once you can calculate it in the forward direction, you can calculate it in the backwards direction. And so you calculate it in the backwards direction. You find where the fraud is. You give walk lists to the local citizens, and they find the fraud with their own hands. The reason that is so important, it is so important, I can't stress this enough, because if smarty pants Dr. Frank comes to town and says, look at all these algorithms, we have fraud, 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 nothing happens exactly like what you said. Nothing will happen. But if the local citizens pound on doors and find, they don't pound on doors, they knock politely on doors, they knock on politely on doors and they find voter fraud, then it's the three things happen. The first thing happened is they convince themselves it's real. They're not just believing Dr. Frank. 
They find it with their own hands and they tell everybody, all their friends about it. The second thing that happens is that the person that they knocked on the door, the person who lives there, you know, I'll give you an example. You know, you knock on the door and you say, hi, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. You know, I'm Doug Frank from the Election Integrity Committee. Can I ask you some questions? And they say, yeah. And you, you ask them a bunch of questions. And somewhere in that dialogue, they say, why are you asking all these questions? And you turn your clipboard around and it says, well, it says here in the in the voter rolls that six people live here and five of them voted. And then Mr. and Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. Smith say, who are those other four people? And in other words, not only do you convince yourself that there's fraud in your own in, in your community, but you convince the residents that there's fraud right from their own house. And they didn't do anything wrong. And they feel offended by that. And, and they feel like violated. And so they'll tell everybody in their neighborhood what you found. So it's, it's like evangelism. So you, you convince yourself that there's fraud. You're convincing your local community there's a fraud. And then the third thing is if you do that enough of that, you you expose the fact that it's not just onesies and twosies. It's actually systematic. And then once you have systematic fraud, then you have the evidence you need in your own community to convince everybody. You can start a legal investigation. Counties that have good sheriffs, constitutional sheriffs, they can legally launch an investigation, confirm everything you found, and then they can take it into the into court. You don't have to have fancy lawyers. You don't have to have a judge on your side. You got the you have the most powerful person in your county, the sheriff, other than the coroner. But, you know, most people don't know that, but the sheriff's the most powerful person in in a uh, county, except the, for the coroner. But you've got the most powerful person, you know, legally speaking, in your county. Um, on your side working for you and you know he can lock up all the machines he can you know he he has the authority to do that in in the county so uh, that's why the grassroots effort is so important it's really about education there's a gal in uh, pennsylvania his name her name is tony shoop i was just on the phone last night with her team in pennsylvania man have they got some stuff coming up but um she uh she says and i have a slide in my presentations that education is key like i've been saying but the fix is local. And that is that is why we're winning across the country. Not because not because I'm talking to, you know, secretaries of states and legislators and whatnot, which I do a lot of. But it's not the top down that's winning. It's the bottom up. Absolutely. Now, one of the obviously I'm from Oregon and we have a very challenging situation, as you well know, because we have a motor voter state, which is ludicrous in this the way it's done. And it's there's rigging. You mail a ballot to everybody on your rolls. Right. You just drop it off of a box. Or One of the things I noticed this year, which was really interesting, are the number of people that in this last election were taking their, their ballot to the sheriff's department to hand it off. We had There's a couple of drop boxes in the county, and they were void of anybody. I'm not saying they weren't used, but when I drove by and checked them, nobody was there. But when you went down to downtown Roseburg, in, and you're looking at the, obviously, that's where the sheriff's department is. They were hand delivering it. Even this point, which is just like I laugh because this is my town, a log truck pulled up in the middle of downtown. That's not easy to move your log truck downtown. It literally parked in the middle of the street and ran his vote in to drop it off at the sheriff's department. So the there is a real commitment to try to get more validity into the vote, in my observation. And yet we still have so many problems with this mail in voting. What's is a, a process because you you have a couple of actions in Oregon as well. Yep. And is it? And I'm going to ask this kind of a compound question here. I mean, what are what are the actions to something like this? And can it actually be that we can get rid of this mail-in voting nonsense? 
Well, you guys uh, in Oregon were one of the first states to go all mail in. You've been doing it about 20 years. And you just you what you do is you mail a ballot to everybody in the rolls. But interestingly, last year in January, well, actually this year, it's, we're still in this year. It just feels like this year's over already. But in, in 2022, in January, you guys took all of your inactive voters from your inactive rolls and made them active. And now in your rolls, you have 104% of your population, your voting age population in your rolls. Yet you're mailing a ballot to every one of them. Go figure. So you automatically know at the minimum, you have 4% more ballots out there that are going in into the wind somewhere. Somebody is getting those ballots and, and they have a street value. So you have a serious issue there. And everybody likes to think that your mail-in voting is, is so advanced. I'm telling you, it's the worst idea ever invented. You should not be doing mail-in voting. You should be voting in person. So I'm delighted to hear that that the people are turning in their ballots by hand. The sad thing about that is they may be protecting their ballot, but but they're really not protecting the election because what about the other 30 percent that's being stuffed? You know, that for people are stuffing ballots. That's it's not a good situation. I We were telling everybody to turn their ballots in by hand, but I don't want them turning into the sheriff. I want them turning it in at the registrar's office. And when they turn it in, I want them to say, here's my ballot. Confirm that I hadn't voted already. Because what happens is a lot of times the bad guys are looking at who's not yet voted and stuffing a ballot for them. You know, they'll print and stuff a ballot. And that's that's the bad situation. So um, that that's that's the Oregon situation. And the only way you guys are going to fix that is, say, maybe with a statewide referendum. But, of course, you have to vote on those. And so and so it's like you're in a catch 22. You, you can't fix broken elections with broken elections. Although I don't like the word can't there. You can, you just have to overwhelm the, the algorithms and overwhelm the cheating. You gotta, you have to have a massive turnout sufficient to overcome the cheating, but you can. And, and uh, there are a couple of counties in Oregon where you're having some success already. I was in um, a lawsuit there a couple of months ago while we're on the subject of Oregon. Um, the one of the citizens there in Washington County, Oregon, that's the northernmost county there in, in Oregon, asked their county clerk for a copy of the voter rolls. And the county clerk said no. And the citizen went to the district attorney and said, hey, I'm legally entitled to this. And the D.A. agreed and the D.A. ordered the county clerk of Washington County to give him a copy of the rolls, which he did. But like I mentioned earlier, our people running elections don't know what they're doing. And the lady, I've met her in person because I just was in a lawsuit with her. She gave him a disc containing the rolls, but it didn't just contain the rolls. It contained a complete backup of their entire voting system. I mean, copies of all the ballots, copies of their SQL database, the, the whole system backup. So when the Secretary of State of Oregon discovered this, the Secretary of Oregon panicked, the Secretary of State panicked and had the Attorney General of Oregon file a protective order limiting that citizen's ability. His name's Tim Sippel. It's, it's a matter of legal record, so I'm not exposing anything. Uh, not allowing him to go public with those data, saying, and, and I can quote this pretty closely, that if those information became public knowledge, it would compromise the integrity of Oregon's elections because the machines can be hacked wirelessly 
even when they're not attached to networks. This is the Attorney General of the state of Oregon admitting that your machines can be hacked wirelessly because they're online. And when when we had <clears throat> when we had the county clerk in the witness stand, I was in that case and present and coaching the attorney um, in, in live while it was happening. We got her into the witness stand and we got her to admit under oath that every one of your voting machines behind the so-called air gap has a modem in it that she turns on and off with a mouse click and no password. And those are never, ever supposed to be online. So that was, you know, that was a, a, a big moment, just proving essentially what we've been saying for quite some time, that the, the machines are online and the machines are reporting the tallies illegally. So we like lawsuits. So Oregon, uh, you have another big lawsuit going on there, too. I'm not as familiar with it, but they're using a lot of my analyses for it. So I know um, that's how I know that it's going on because they keep calling me up and asking me questions about my work because they put it in the lawsuit. That's awesome. All right, so let's back up just a second because I think one of the questions that everybody should ask because you're such a very unique individual is you were not an election specialist. You have become the foremost election specialist probably in our history. How did you get from where you were to where you are? Oh, that's a fun question. So I'm a PhD scientist and my specialty is in um, analytical techniques where you gather massive amounts of data, you write mathematics to process it into meaningful ways of looking at it and then presenting it. And for example, I invented a type of electron microscopy that allows you to image molecules on surfaces. It made me world famous. I've covered articles on Science Magazine and Nature Magazine, things like that back in the 90s. And then I left academics and I consulted for firms building for them electron microscopes and laser scanners and devices essentially that gather huge amounts of data, process it in a quick way, an efficient way into something meaningful and useful. Like in manufacturing, you have you have to know, have good feedback. And if you need precision feedback, you, you, you have to have quick analytical techniques that measure things, gather lots of data and make adjustments in real time. So guess what an election is? An election is where you take huge amounts of data, you need to process it mathematically, and then you need to you need to show it to people in a way they can understand in a meaningful way. So it, as far as the numbers go, I'm telling you, my disposition is made for this. I, I this is who I am. This is my this is my soul. Now, how did I get involved? I voted in 2020 and I thought it was real. I took my 18 year old son to vote for his first time. We went together and took pictures and everything. And we thought it was a real election. But then uh, shortly thereafter, um, Pennsylvania, the state of Pennsylvania, asked me in to help them with their election. And it's the only time since in the last two years that I've worked with a legislature. That, ever since then, <laughs> legislatures are not very happy when I come to their state. Um, but I worked with their legislature. They gave me access to anything we asked for. Um, there, I was part of a team of six people. If you remember, Doug Mastriano had a big meeting there in, in late November as well. So things were hopping there. And we exposed, I don't take all the credit, we exposed that the that there was a massive amount of voter fraud in Pennsylvania. And this, and get this, the Pennsylvania State Legislature agreed. 
They agreed so much that they threw out their entire state databases and hired a firm to rebuild it in time for the spring election. That happened on December 21, uh, 2020. And then three days later, Zuckerberg bought that firm. And that was my moment of awakening because I was assuming that the Pennsylvania state legislature being dominant by Republicans, you show them fraud. They agree there's fraud. They agree so much they throw out the database and hire a firm to replace it. You would think they're trying to fix it, but no, they are trying to cover it up. They hired the very guy who helped them cheat it in the first place to rebuild their roles. So in other words, they put together the cover up right in front of my face. And I was so naive and so idealistic that I didn't recognize it until afterwards. And then, then of course, the Supreme Court cases, I was in two of those four Supreme Court cases that went up to the, from Montgomery County, Cal, um, Pennsylvania. And when they rejected it on standing, I was pretty, pretty disappointed because, um, you know, we can't count on our legislatures. We can't count on our Supreme Court. We're down, we're back to we the people, which is what it was supposed to be in the first place anyway. So that's, that's, that's how I got involved on all this. And when I first started, I thought that Pennsylvania was, you know, the main problem. But then as I began branching out, I've been now in 45 states and soon to be 47. I got two more in the docket that I this coming month that I hadn't been to yet. And working with teams on the ground there, I have not yet been somewhere where we can't find fraud. Um, because this basic strategy has been in place for about 20 years now, so, and it's systematically getting worse. There's a a market value for ballots. They're about $20 a piece. So there's a strong financial incentives for cheating. There's strong political reasons for cheating. There's strong you know, power and control reasons for cheating. There's evil reasons for cheating. There's so many good reasons for cheating that all compound one another that basically it's it's had 20 years to or really longer than that but since the electronic introduction of electronic machines it's just made it tons easier and it's really taken off in our country sure so um the first thing i like to do um let me just say um it doesn't matter. I, I like to tell people, like a lot of times after an election, people say, well, we want to do a recount. We want to do a recount. And let me just say, it doesn't matter how many times you count the cash in the cash register. What matters is how many of the bills are counterfeit. And it's the same way with our ballots. It doesn't matter how many times you count the ballots or how you count the ballots. What matters is, are all those ballots really from who you think they're from? And that's the main steal. It's called ballot stuffing. You're putting in ballots for people who aren't really voting. Um, and they so validating the ballots, as you say, that's really not my specialty. Um, and I don't put a lot of stock in that. For example, in the Maricopa audit, they had 2.1 million ballots that they recounted from 2020. But what people need to understand is that when they brought out the boxes with all the ballots in them, only 50 out of 1,500 of those boxes still had their seals intact. 
In other words, they weren't counting the real ballots. Somebody had been tinkering with the ballots afterwards. So you can count them as many times as you want. You can count them by hand. You can count them by a machine. doesn't matter. The point is, were those ballots really from who you think they were? So what's disappointing, for example, about that audit in Maricopa is that they, they the people who were demanding the audit negotiated away the two most important things that would have validated the fraud in their election so that they could get access to those paper ballots and analyze them. And if you saw the final report on the ballot analysis, that don't doesn't tell you anything. Um, and I knew it wouldn't because I was in on the peer review on that process. They gave up the canvassing and they gave up the routers, which contained the electronic information proving that the machines were hacked during the election. So that that's, that's really, um, I don't like to say that I validate ballots. That's not what I really do. What I really like to do is I like to validate voters. You know, I, if, you, if somebody's been dead for 10 years, but you're getting a ballot from them, how is that happening? And sometimes that's just grandma voting for grandpa because she knows how he would have voted anyway. That's not the kind of fraud that I'm after. That's what we call organic fraud. Kind of fraud I'm after is somebody else has the list of everybody in, in, in your state and somebody else is keeping track of who's voted and who's not voted. And that somebody else can then print ballots and stuff ballots in the name of those people who aren't voting. And that's that's what I'm after. And that's what I try to prove. And and we do that successfully in multiple multiple places. And that's a process of then literally door to door canvassing. Is that correct? Yeah. You. Um, what I do, I, I you asked me for the process and I guess I skipped a step. Sorry about that. Once I get the voter rolls, then I run my math on it and I run my algorithms on it and I find where the most fraud is in a certain community. I take it right down to the precinct level and then I'll take and then I'll give you a list. Um, I give the locals a list of names that they can go right to a certain co um, community and knock on doors and find fraud. Um, so it's sort of like running the math backwards, so to speak, to help people kind of understand that. Um, I was in Dallas uh, several months ago, giving a talk to a small group of influential conservatives. And I got to the point in the talk where I was talking about canvassing and this one lady raises her hand. She says, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. She says, because last week we we got out the voter rolls for my community because we were going to do door knocking. And we discovered that there are 10 people who live at my house who voted and nobody knows who they are. And so just one house in a wealthy neighborhood, 10 people, 10, there were 10 fraudulent ballots cast from that residence. And it was an ideal circumstance for me because there are only like 30 people in the room. And so I said, how do you guys like that? 10 of your votes were nullified by just the fraud that took place out of that one house. And that was in Dallas. So that's that's the process. I get the rolls. I get the voter the voter history. In other words, so I know everybody who's voted. And then I, I use my math backwards to figure out where the fraud is happening and send people there to knock on doors. And it's it's pretty uh, I'm getting pretty good at it now. Um, if if I just my first quick pass over the data, I can usually hit one in three doors that they knock on. They'll find a phantom voter. If we also do some additional techniques we've learned, um, but they take a couple of weeks to perform because we have to do other stuff. But um, we can get it to the point where like three out of four doors we knock on has a phantom voter in it. So 
it's we're getting pretty good at finding them it's pretty systematic and you know we're figuring out how they do things so it makes it easy for us to kind of back figure out where they are so what's the recourse then once you establish that i know you went over this briefly but i'm kind of looking at this from the layman and personal point of view because people are feeling very disempowered these days they are and it's because you you look at this system it's an overwhelming you everybody knows this thing is rigged there's not even a question right and so the process then once they get into validating the voters and then i guess what you're leading to is it has to fall on the sheriff to execute the investigations to, to identify the fraud is that correct well that's part of it for sure but really in the end I guess I guess one way to put this is there's a there's a, a great lady her name's Chris Ann Hall. She did a, a movie on on the Constitution and it the name of the movie I think was called Non-Compliant or Uncompliant. I can't remember which one it is, but Chris Ann is fantastic. She does great work. I think so too. Just amazing. Her point is that the reason we're in the mess we're in now, the reason we've lost quote unquote lost so much power is because we've been too compliant. What we're supposed to, we're the bosses, we're the sovereigns when, you know, imagine it like a company. If one of your employees isn't doing what you're saying, you fire them, okay? You don't just roll over and say, well, you know, I have some, you know, if I'm the boss of a company and we have a thousand employees, it doesn't matter that if they're a thousand and I'm one, I'm the boss, I can fire them. And that's the point. But so we're the, we're the bosses of our government and we're, we are letting, we are complying with them. So take your situation. I mean, it's an extreme situation. Your state is now lazy. Your people are now apathetic. Oh, we love mail-in voting. We're never going to go back to in-person voting. Oh yeah. Well then as long as you say that as a people, you're toast. Okay. You can't have mail-in voting securely. It doesn't work because you lose chain of custody of the ballot. So, the, your only recourse really is to wake your own people up and to remind them of their constitutional power and their obligations. So that's the first step. You know, I'm giving you the longer answer, but that's really the first step. The people need to be aware what's happening to them. And then once they know what's happening to them, then the next step is they need the evidence. And then once they have the evidence, then the next step is they can begin taking legal action. If they have a good sheriff, that's a good way to do it. If they have a good DA, that's a good way to do it. it a lot of county clerks are red-pilled. They, they thought everything was good, but you show them it's not. And so they come on board. So that you know, there's a process. And what's happening around the country is county by county, small step by small step, baby step by baby step, those counties are beginning to be able to change affect change in the state there's a place in wisconsin i was just i spent a week in wisconsin last month and they've got this freeway it's highway 29 it goes from about milwaukee across to to um the twin cities and every if you add up all the votes above that freeway they total under a hundred thousand total votes well when i was there I liked showing them an email from the county clerk of Milwaukee where she admits to her colleagues that they received 120,000 more ballots than they sent out in one county. So in other words, all you folks north of 29, your votes were undermined by the fraud that took place in one county. Why do I say that? Because those people in their counties are saying, well, gee, Dr. Frank, we don't want to get off the state system because then they won't certify our elections. Okay, 
then just keep using the state system and your votes won't matter at all. Is that what you're going to do? No, you have to stand up as a county and say, guess what? Here's the fraud in our own county. And by the way, all of our state elections, our, our United States elections for our congressmen and our senators, you're stealing all of our votes from up here. We're not going to tolerate it anymore. We're going to have our own elections, our own way, and we're going to turn in turn in the results. And you guys can supervise if you want, but we're running our own elections here. And they're going to be transparent and efficient. And um, by the way, the state of Wisconsin is particularly amenable to this because they've got a state law that says if they have any municipality or county under 7,500 population, they don't have to use the electronic systems. Well, you've just kind of answered my next question, which is fantastic. I mean, basically what you just mapped out is there is a way forward at a county level to where the counties can literally vote on a county initiative yeah. and say, that's it. We're done, for example, in Oregon. And I say this, and the reason I'm using Oregon, not just because I live here, but right. people don't understand the extremity of what Oregon's been doing. This is the template that they want to move the nation to. I agree. This is where they, they, they test run this thing since 1999 or 98. Yep, you're right on target. Yep. So if we look at this from a county initiative and we say, for example, all right, in my county, Douglas County, if we were to vote and say we are not going to have mail-in voting any, anymore, we're going to do in-person voting, voter ID, that's it, take it or leave it, and the sheriff says yes, and we're going to validate it. And the, and that's just, that is an, a, a defiance action to the state, and it's putting the, the rule of the sheriff first. Is that correct? Yes, it's uncompliant, which you're the boss, so you should be doing that. You should be saying, I'm not going to tolerate you stealing my sacred right to vote anymore. I have a constitutional right to a ballot that is protected, and you're not protecting my ballot. Therefore, we're not going to comply with your rules. Your rules are unconstitutional because they're depriving me of my constitutional rights. So what does a way forward look like for voting with integrity? One of the things that I've looked at is, if we incorporate the sheriff and we do an in-person ballot counting, physical ballot with voter ID or with ID, then it would seem that if you had the sheriff present or his deputy representative in the counting, yeah. then that box is sealed or whatever. How are you going to do that? Yeah. Then it's the deputies or the sheriff himself that delivers it to the state and says, here it is. We're going to stand by. I want to get a hand receipt from you once you validate this. And then we take the hand receipt back, and now that is our county's vote, and I'm going to hold that, and you now are committed to that. That would seem a way forward. Yeah, that's a great way to do it. And one of the objections you're going to hear is people say, oh, we can't hand count. You know, it would take us too long. And that's just silliness. You, of, course, of course you can. All of Europe does it in a single day. They just have a, they have a, a single-day elections. They have small precincts. Um, everybody votes in person with ID. And they count the votes that night and report the tally that night. What do we do? M months of work ahead of time to mail out ballots and get them back and sort them and put them through machines, spending tens of millions of dollars in counties. And then weeks afterwards, trying to val validate and certify. And then we argue about it for two years. Okay. If we had just had people show up in person, show an ID, vote on, you know, you have chain of custody on every ballot count the ballots by hand, which you can do. There's all kinds of ways to do that. Um, I've, I saw one the other day that I thought was particularly clever. 
They cost them $50 worth of hardware stuff from the hardware store. All they did is they ran a clothesline across this room, a large room. They ran a, a line of tables in a long line and a clothesline that went across it. They put 10 people on each side of, of the tables. So you can imagine it's like a long assembly line. Mm -hmm. And then they had one person loading ballots onto the clothesline and moving them down steadily. And on one person at the other end of the clothesline, taking them down. And then the 20 people, 10 on each side, are reading both sides of the ballot because it's just it's going by. And each person counts three races on the ballot. So it, every race gets counted um, tr by three different people three different times. And you do 100 at a time. And at the end, you check the tally. And if, if everybody agrees, you put those 100 ballots in a little package with the tally sheets. Next 100. Next 100. It's way faster than the machines. You think the machines would be faster, but they're not actually faster. There's more error in the machines. And here you've got a hand count, hand tally, double checked, triple checked, all chain of custody. It's it's a fabulous way to do it. So, and it cost them fifty bucks at the hardware store and twenty people a couple of hours to do ten thousand ballots. It's there's no reason why we can't. Um, why we can't go back to hand counting. And, and and I like to tell people, you know, you could raise your children with a computer, and some people are, but it's way better if you do it with your own two hands. And it's the same way with our elections. We need to run our elections with our own two hands. It's too important. You know, raising your kids is important. Running our elections is important. We need to do it by hand. Are you building a foundation to have a class action at the Supreme Court level by going through so many counties that you're doing? Or is this? Do you see this more as a just in a, a people awakening tidal wave would be the best way, or tsunami of shaking up so many counties that we finally get a tipping point in the nation? Because there's 3,300 counties in the United States, and it's a, it's not a small thing, but it's definitely if you get that much momentum. 3142. 3142. There you go. <laughs> I I know because I've analyzed about 2,900 of them, and I'm and I'm going to be analyzing the rest here shortly. I think. Um, so the answer to your question is yes. I'm. It's both. It's a tidal wave because here's how it works. We've already had all the evidence we needed since December of 2020. It's never been about evidence. It's about having the people know and understand and be willing to stand up. And 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 so I feel like we're in a race. Uh, but let me come back to that. Um, so it's not about evidence, it's about a movement. We got to have a movement. But at the same time, there are all these lawsuits, and I'm fostering those and and supporting those as best I can. And if you recall, Mike Lindell has national lawsuits and RICO suits in place. And so it's it's answer to those. Uh, the answer to your question is both of those things. I'm working very hard on um, every day of my life. I I'm, that's all I do is just work with the grassroots or with Mike. Mostly today, I was working on. Uh, on a lawsuit with, uh, for Mike's situation. But, uh, but you know, like the last several months, I've been almost solely on the ground working with, with grassroots people. So it just kind of goes back and forth. But the answer to your question is both, yes. Uh, a, a, a tidal wave, as well as lawsuits, as well as gathering evidence, as well as um, generating a movement, educating people. And now let me come to that other statement I was gonna say. I think of it uh, like a race. 
in the back of my Bible, I have a graph. It shows 450 years of Israel's history. It shows them falling into idolatry and then repenting and falling into idolatry and repenting. 450 years. And at the end of the 450 years, uh, Israel is taken over by Babylon, the Babylonian captivity, and that's the end of Israel. Okay. So in other words, God gave them 20 tries, okay, and 20 chances to repent. And then he finally said, okay, you know, you're off. The, you know, Nebuchadnezzar gets to have you for a while. Um uh, but I mean, that's that's so what I don't know is I don't know if we're in one of these cycles where we're going to repent and get restored as a nation or whether we're done. Right. Whether we're going to be captured by Babylon. So the way I see it is we're on this downward slope. And I mean, if you don't see the downward slope in our country, you're blind, buddy, because we're in trouble right now. We're losing liberty by the day and things are going south in a lot of ways. So we're going down. You know, I like to tell people we're depraved. And the way we know we're depraved is because we don't know the difference between an innie and an Audi. I mean, that is depraved. Okay, so we're on this <laughs> we're on this slope. We're on this downward slope of depravity, and and at the same time, there are several of us, not just me, that are trying to wake everybody up. So the question is, is which is going to win? And if if we sink into depravity too fast, if we don't wake up fast enough, you see what I'm saying? It's a it's a race between those two. That's going to control the control the outcome. Of, of what happens here. And, you know, I, it's like a person who's got a drug habit. You want them to hit bottom and you want them to hit a shallow bottom and wake up and say, Hey, I don't like this. I want out of this situation. And so that's what, you, that's what I'm hoping. And every day, that's why I'm working to wake up a, you know, another batch of people as best I can and get them, um, wake people up and s smell the coffee and, and make a stand and be uncompliant. Oh, that's fantastic. So if someone wanted to get you into their area and have yeah. to do a, do a teaching seminar, how does that happen? Well, it it happens every day. Uh, today, I, for example, I just scheduled three more meetings. Um, people see me on social media and they're like, Dr. Frank, we're, you know, we're desperate and, you know, we're in Jones County, you know, come help us, please. And so I say, well, here's my scheduler. I person who does my scheduling for me and I don't charge for any of my events. Um, I just, you have to cover my expenses. So, um, Mike and Lindell inspired me to do that. He, he pays for everything out of his own wallet. And I, I really respect that about him. So that inspired me. And so I, I, I'm the same. So you don't have to worry about the money except just to cover my expenses. So I, you know, somebody will call me and say, Dr. Frank, you know, we're help us, help us. So we set up a meeting, we get a date. What I usually encourage them to do are two things. First, get a venue. And, you know, a venue's got to at least be able to hold a couple hundred people. I'm getting more and more popular. Um, and so a couple hundred people, like, charge 10 bucks a piece to come in or ask for donations or take a free will offering. And then that's how you can pay for my ticket and my, my hotel. And then um, during the days, schedule meetings with your sheriff, with your commissioners, with your grassroots teams. I love having lunch with the grassroots teams. We'll have long lunch together where we talk about the, the nuances of their particular community and the strategy that they're going to use and whatnot. And so, you know, usually I, I like to tell people that I work during the days and play at night. Uh, you can tell I like to talk. So during the days, during the days, I'm working hard. I'm meeting with sheriffs. I'm meeting with officials. I'm meeting with grassroots teams and that's what i call my work and then at nighttime you know you set me loose with a microphone for a couple hours and i and i have i'm having fun doing that and but i'm also teaching i'm teaching them what what we you know a lot of times it'll be my second or third time back to a community so here's the progress here's where we're at now this is what we got to do next so th that's kind of how it works and 
I'm I'm happy to do it. I've dedicated my life to this. It's obvious, and it's fantastic. You truly have inspired a nation, and I don't say that lightly because you've given people back something that they didn't know how to reclaim, and it's, that's the, the, the understanding that they have power, and that's a big piece because when a, this whole attack on the sovereignty of the country has centered on the idea that people have no power, and once they get to that place, they feel that they have to submit to those in tyranny and don't realize the magnitude of the power that they hold that our founding fathers gave us. So it's not insignificant by any wow. means. Wow, that is so powerful what you just said. And you know, when I, particularly in Oregon, I remember when I visited, I've been to Oregon now three times. The first time I was there, I was, it was almost like a culture shock. The, the pall of depression that you guys are under there. You are, you have rolled over and are, you know, compliant with a corrupt system. And as I would go county to county, sometimes three counties in a day um, in Oregon, giving three talks a day, I had a, a roadie who was hauling me around. Um, people were waking up and like, oh, yeah, you're right. We can do this. It was like they were discovering their own power again. And then all then I would give them the data that they need to 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 be equipped to, to move forward. So you're right. Uh, but Oregon in particular, um, they really need to wake up. They do. And it, it's another, is a strategic importance to Oregon. I just want to highlight that again, I just, I think people miss the seven data lines that carry the majority of the data information flow off our coast and go to China. That's not an insignificant issue. No. And we have as well rare earth minerals. We got a massive amount of resources. And it's not surprising that the Chinese came in at the end of the Obama era and did an inventory of everything that's in this state. Nor is it by accident that most of the for sale signs in Salem now have both Chinese and English on them. Oh, my God. I mean, this is very important to understand. Wow how this is a foothold and a control node for the nation in so many ways. Wow. And it's why that they have worked so hard, frankly, to keep the voter attitude suppressed and the people submissive to a very tyrannical system. It's like a psyop. It is. It's massive. And it's been very successful. Yes, it has. So this is the, the good news is, and just for you to know, because I just got off the phone with uh, – uh, a friend of mine in Portland and who's familiar with the cases that you've been working on. In fact, the case you yeah. spoke of specifically, we talked about with the data uh, dump by the state, but um, yeah. he's the one that just informed me. And this is near and dear to my heart that three of the counties, Washington County, um, Clackamas County and Aloha County now have been reclaimed at a County commission and Republican level by MAGA and, and, and strong American conservatives. That's fabulous news. Right. And so that's a big, this is where, again, we're looking, just so you know, and I, I want to stay in touch with you on this because there's two initiatives that I'm going to be pushing this year. One is the initiative to get us back as a state to uh, walk in voting. So we're going to try that. But we're also going to do that at a county level because Oregon yeah. has such a powerful personal um, citizen initiative clause. We can put anything yes. on the state ballot. And this is what most people miss. The other initiative that I'm working on, and I'll be working with an, an Oregon attorney, is to change the process in which we vote for state measures and uh, government measures so that it's no longer a popular vote, but it goes to an electoral college system based on county commissions, using our county commissions as an electoral college process. 
so that we can get away from the single city ruling a state. We have that in Illinois. We have that in, in Washington. We have that in Oregon and many others, Georgia, where a single One big blue city controls the whole state. Right. So if we can get rid of that popular vote initiative, which is unbelievable, we miss this because here our our, our founding fathers set that up at a national level. Right. For, but at the state levels, we're still doing popular vote and we're scratching our head while we're always losing. It's because it's exactly what they warned us against. Right. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Democracy is two wolves and a lamb voting on what's for lunch. And <laughs> it, it, that's it's so I, well said. Yeah. It, I think George Washington said that or Jefferson. It, I can't take credit for that one, but that's exactly right. And that's the situation you're in. You've given all the power to all the wolves uh, because they're all concentrated in one place. You don't want your whole state ruled by just one city. That's not a smart thing. No, it's it's miserable. Well, again, how do, how do people contact you? Do they do that through your website? Yeah, most of the time they send me an email. You know, my, I give out my public email all the time, and I have two people read my email. So I keep up with it pretty good, and, and, and I'll just, if I can say that, it's a Dr. D.R. Douglas, D-O-U-G-L-A-S, G, like George, Frank, F-R-A-N-K, at outlook.com dr douglas g frank at outlook.com they can send me an email there but what i encourage people to do though is to follow me on social media because i try to post there pretty much every day where i'm at what i'm doing what's happening in the country and it keeps you from getting too depressed you know when you see things aren't going the way you want you get to see well look what's good happening here look what good's happening here you know it's like a, it's like a, a little report and i have about a hundred thousand people or so following me on social media and um, whatever's your favorite social media you can probably find me uh, i every time i do a post i post on seven different platforms you know uh, facebook and telegram and me we uh, twitter twitter now i started posting again now that it's 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 not suppressing me uh i can't be on youtube YouTube just hates me anytime. In fact, and and people like they'll record my my talks and then they and I tell them, don't put it on YouTube. Don't put it on YouTube. They don't listen to me. They put it on YouTube. And guess what? YouTube takes away their channel. So it's like, don't do that. OK, YouTube hates me. So you can't find me there, but you can find me on Rumble. And I, tr but I try to keep Rumble as the place where I post my graphs. So like if in the state of Oregon, there'll be a whole set of graphs just for that state. Um, and I don't narrate it. I just give you the set of graphs, like three seconds a slide. So anybody can download it to their, to their phone and use it to, to, to discuss things. And, and I'm a data guy. I like uh, my motto is follow the data with Dr. Frank. So follow the data, let the data tell you what you need to know. For example, I started out early on in this discussion. You have 104% of your voting age people registered to vote, and you mail ballots to every one of them. Think about that, okay? I don't I don't even have to – do I need to make an argument anymore? And the data alone are sufficient to tell you you have a serious issue. And so that's that's my approach. I try to come up with really elegant, simple ways of showing people their own data, and then they're like, well, wait a minute. How can that be true? Exactly. It can't be. It's not real, is it? Oh, okay. And where did you get those data, Dr. Frank? I got them from your own Secretary of State right off the web page. Oh, you know, in, in other words, I like using people's own data. You know, it's like arguing against um, 
you know, I like to uh, do debates and like it, I'm frequently asked to, to, to debate and like creation and evolution debates. And I can argue both sides usually better than another person. So, you know, I have to teach the other side how to argue better, regardless of which side they're on. I like using their own data against them. That's the best way to argue, I think. Um, I just posted a whole bunch of data on COVID, for example, uh, on my web, on my uh, social media, where I show the actual numbers. And because because the claim out there, which is true, is that more people are dying these days of of COVID that are vaccinated than are unvaccinated. But of course, there are more people vaccinated than are unvaccinated. So that's not saying much necessarily. But 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 I actually show the actual data and then people can say, oh, I see what's going on. It, you know, basically, the, the vaccines have lost their effectiveness. They're not really working anymore. So it doesn't really matter whether you were or not, whether you get it and die from it or not. But anyway, that's another that's another topic. The point is, I show people their own data so that they can make their own decisions. I mean, I try to be persuasive and everything, and I try to, you know, uh, convince people of things. But usually I prefer the data to convince people because, you know, 104 percent, you got 104 percent, like it or not. <laughs> OK, yeah. that's so solid. It is. Dr. Frank, I'm going to tell you, we always close with a prayer. So if it's OK, I'd like to sure. close with a prayer. I'd love it. Yeah, sure. Father, I just want to thank you for this blessed meeting and this, this inspired uh creation of a beautiful man that you put before us, Dr. Frank, and just his energy that he's done to revive the hope and power that people have in this nation, the continued effort he does day by day to find in the, the truth, to pursue the truth, and to awaken people's hearts and eyes to the truth and what it does for them to reclaim this country in your name. So we just ask that you'll continue to bless him and all that he does, guide him, and continue to give him the inspiration and the resources he needs to continue as we reset this nation back to you on the throne. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What a great, great conversation. Thank you. Totally inspired. You're very welcome. Is wonderful. Second Corinthians two talks about um, how when God, God's this, how we smell to God, we are a please. We smell like His Son. It says in Second Corinthians two, it's awesome. So whenever I pray, my my thought is, you know, God is smelling my head right now. You know, it's like you hold a baby and you smell his head. God, when I, I I'm putting myself in God's hands and he's smelling my head and I smell like his beloved son. That's so I really like, I like praying. Uh, I, that's my thought in my prayer thought. I'm going into arms of God right now. That's awesome. That's just, that's totally inspiring. Well, once again, just tell everybody your email so they can get hold of you if they want to have you in their county to, to inspire them. Uh, D-R D-O-U-G-L-A-S G-F-R-A-N-K that's Dr. Douglas G. Frank at Outlook.com. No periods, no spaces. Dr. Douglas G. Frank at Outlook.com. Or, or on social media, it's usually follow the data with Dr. Frank or Dr. Frank or something like that. That's awesome. Well, I wanted to thank you for your time. Always inspiring. Always great to see you. Thank you. God bless you. You're welcome. All right, Patriots. So that was Dr. Frank. Awesome guy. Super high energy. And this keeps the optimism flowing, digging in every single day and fighting every single day. So that should be inspiring. I would really encourage you to email him and to reach out and to set up a meeting. It's gonna, all he's going to charge is his expenses. 
get people together, get him into your county, get an organization of people together, your community, link up maybe with other counties, get him to come in and teach what he's teaching. Because the, the thing is, this is how we are going to take this country back. One county at a time, defiant actions, and just keep fighting. I mean, that's the only way we're going to do this. And it's, we have to ignore the federal government. You have to ignore the state. You have to focus on the county. You have to make your county strong, make the alliances between county and the county, you know, and we'll eventually we'll, we'll start getting, getting this taken back. But otherwise we're going to be all led by a bunch of pedophile psychopaths that believe in grooming kids and raping kids. And that's going to be our leadership forever and ever. And I can't do that. I don't know about you, but that's not on my, like, want-to-do list. That's on my absolute defiant send-them-to-hell list is what that is. One-way ticket, baby. I'll give it to you. You bet you millstone in hand. Remember, remember, we walk in peace and love, but carry a millstone with you. Never leave your millstone at home. And it's constitutional carry on those doggone millstones, just so you know. It's legal in every county in the United States. So start packing. That's what I say. Oh, and just to be clear, so there's no censorship problems. We're just talking about packing millstones, okay? So just let's be clear. Okay, patriots. All right. Have a blessed evening. I'll see you tonight for Fishers. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. Never forsake us. And God always wins. But guess what? We're here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. And that also means dealing with the pedophiles. We're at war, patriots. Walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Millstone them where necessary. See you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs, and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, 
this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples. It has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight push, we climb, we never give in, we become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist, we pray, we stand, we live by the words, in God we trust, we fear nothing, we are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. <laughs> 